Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 120. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw, and I'm here with my best good friend, Paul Carlson. Hey, Paul. Yo, what's up, Daniel? Man, you, it's been a while since you've been on the show with me. I was on one of your shows not too long ago. Yeah, uh, you guys should ago. go. Ch- yeah. You guys should go check that out at safetysolutionsacademy.com. In fact, pause this right now. Go listen to that and then come back and listen to this one. They're probably not going to do that. Nah. Paul, what do you got going on? Haven't seen you in a while. No, it's been a long time, brother. Uh, I've got the same thing going on you and and a lot of the industry has going on right now. Uh, last minute preps for Shot Show. It is uh, coming up. Gosh, you know, industry day at the range is a week from today. So, you know, we're down to that uh, that line of trying to keep everything going uh, back in the business and and get a little bit ahead so that we can make things happen out in Las Vegas. So, that's that's the deal, man. Yeah, I'm uh I'm about twenty five hundred dollars short on the things that I I wanted to buy before Shot Show, and then I wanted to op check them and test them and and get some proof of concept and everything else. And uh, yeah, it uh pretty much didn't work out. So I'm going with Plan B. Just haven't figured out what Plan B is yet, but well, it's going to be good. Plan B is a magazine base pad for the Smith and Wesson M and P Shield nine millimeter and forty caliber, and uh, it's a product that I developed. Oh, wait, that was not a segue when you said you were going to go with Plan B? I, I was going to let you keep going, man. My, I handed it mistake, to you. My mistake, brother. My mistake. I, I handed it to you. <laughs> the podcast that we're going to do today, what we're going to talk about is something training-related, mm-hmm. uh, incorporating decision-making in training and practice. And this was a topic that you came up with. Yeah. Um, what do you mean by that? Just a brief little overview. Well, you know, I, I really look at uh, training when it comes to firearms training and in general, 85, 95, I made that up, of course, of the training that's happening on ranges is not necessarily going to do everything that we want it to do, that we believe that it's doing to help us to get ready to deal with that violent encounter. And it's because our training, you know, do the, the lethality of handguns, right? We have to pretend that we're dealing with violence. We can't, you know, one-on-one deal with violence. We can do some force-on-force, and that has limitations as well. But when we're out live-fire training, we've got a scripted scene that we're dealing with 95% of the time. And because violence is such a spontaneous thing, such a surprise in general for most people that experience it most of the time, we're doing ourselves a disservice by knowing what's coming next in training. We need to set ourselves up to be in that same frame of mind or at least a similar frame of mind when we're dealing with violence. And when we get right back from this little quick break, we'll get all into that. This episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Cabela's, the world's foremost outfitter. Cabela's is a strong supporter of your right to keep and bear arms, which is why they support Gunfighter Cast. Whether you need guns and ammo or a new smoker, go visit Cabela's.com for all your shooting, hunting, fishing, and outdoor needs. And we're back. What are some ideas that you personally have seen that you believe is effective in incorporating decision-making within somebody's training or their own practice? Yeah, I think uh, that's a, it's an excellent question, and we really need to dive into the details of what it is that people can do, something that's actionable. And what I encourage people to look for, both in training and in practice, is to not know what's coming next. If you're an instructor and you're explaining exactly what your students are going to do every time they step up to the line, you're not setting them up, them up to be making decisions. You're setting them up to rehearse and mentally memorize what's going to happen next and play off of that script. If you are heading out to the range to practice with a buddy or even with yourself and you know exactly what's going to happen this next time that you have a shoot or a no-shoot call, then you're setting yourself up. So simple things like having two targets for a student to shoot at. If you're an instructor and you make a call related to one target or the other, those targets might be different distances. They might be different sizes. They require the student to do different things to get the hits they need on those targets. If you're setting that up now, you're forcing that student to make decisions. If you're heading to the range on your own, again, two targets, maybe two different sizes or two different distances, you flip a coin. That simple. Heads means you shoot one target. Tails means you shoot another. You have to start immediately making decisions about what it is that you're going to do. If you've got a buddy, they can make the call for you as opposed to having to use a a coin to flip or a random number generator for odd or even. But those are some simple things to get you making some simple decisions and get you in that same frame of mind that you might need to be when it comes to violence. 
I tell my students in a, in a lot of classes, especially especially when it comes to the problem solving, uh, manipulation, a rifle or a handgun, uh, or problem solving a, a situation or a drill, or you know, in some cases, a scenario right. that that we've put together. I, I tell them from the very beginning of the class in the safety brief. I'm like, look, this isn't the class where you raise your hand and ask if you can pick up a magazine off the ground. Uh, that's not how I run the ranch. If you drop a magazine on the ground, and, and I, we all know that, that people can't think, they can't take notes, they can't talk, they can't react, they can't listen, they can't do anything if there's a magazine or one bullet of theirs sitting on the ground. You know, like it's, it's solve that problem. It's usually everybody's priority. We ran a drill. Hey, uh, dude, that's really cool what you're saying, but can we all grab our magazines? It's like they're going to expire if they sit on the ground too right, long. Right. It's just the way it always is. So I, like, I, I, want, I want to train free thinkers. I don't. I don't want you to be this regimented. Do exactly as I say, only how I say. It. I'm like, like you're going to run into problems all day long. One of your problems is you had a you had an issue with your holster. You need to fix it. Your shirt came untucked and it keeps getting away the holster. Fix it. Don't ask me permission to do it. Don't don't do anything. Else. Solve your problem all by yourself. You drop a magazine on the ground or anything else, and you want to pick it up. Well, if you can't safely bend over and pick up a magazine without the guy to your left and your right shooting you, all three of you need to go find a new hobby. You need to find. You need to go buy some pepper spray or something because you have no business carrying a gun. And maybe there's a time when it's not safe for you to pick up that magazine. It's your job to be able to determine that as well. And it's our job as instructors to empower students to be able to make those decisions and to educate them as to how to make that decision. Is it okay to do this right now? Yeah, I'm checking left and right. Cool, that guy's gun's holstered. His is holstered. Hey guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna go right here and grab this magazine real quick. Try not to shoot me in the face. Okay, got it. Done. Easy. No problem. But communication is awesome. And I encouraging students to communicate with each other. Uh, some of the movement drills that you could do, like I, they're like, well, which way do you want us to go? I'm like, well, I, I, I didn't tell you that. I'm not going to tell you that. See, I don't care which way you go. Yeah. And you're, and you're leading right into the idea that so many classes are scripted and so many students expect that scripting. They're even asking for it. If you have students that have been to you know one or two or three classes and then you all of a sudden go off script, you'll see this puzzled look like, well, which way do you want me to step? Do you want me to step to the right or the left? Should we all move in that direction? Or, And it's just this amazing thing that happens because we've conditioned students to expect that kind of discipline on the range as opposed to what it is that you said, free thinkers, decision makers, people that are able to look and say, this is what makes sense right now and do that thing. Same thing when I'm talking about stoppage clearances. Right. Or the rifle, for example. And these are, this is a technique, this is a process that you can go through. And within that process, there are times when you can skip steps in that process based on what you learn as you're clearing that stoppage. There are times when you have to complete all the steps in the process. There are also times where once you understand your gun and you understand what you're doing, you may be able to clear that stoppage with some technique that is not even remotely close to what I explained in the class because you know your gun and you're a free thinker and you've made these little small little micro decisions very, very quickly that sometimes they're just like without thought whatsoever and boom, you're done and that is proficiency. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Daniel. We we want students to, number one, gain some level of proficiency with the tool that they're using. So I don't care if we're talking about, you know, unarmed combatives and our our hands, our elbows, our knees, our feet, those kinds of things. I don't care if we're talking about sharp objects, sharp weapons. I don't care if we're talking about firearms, whether they're handguns, long guns. We need to gain some level of proficiency. But as far as I'm concerned, as soon as we get that basic level of proficiency, I have a general idea of when my gun is working and when it's not how to get it working if it's not working by reloading it or tap rack, move on. Then it's time to start getting that decision-making happening and forcing students to make decisions. And what I've found is it does a couple of things. Number one, it generates that idea of, of these people being free thinkers like you spoke about. But in addition to that, it takes their ability to be able to perform whatever skill I'm asking them to perform, and it takes it to such a deeper, unconscious level that they will always be better handlers if they train and practice in that way than those that don't because they don't have time to stop and pause to think about the weapon and they learn that very quickly. They learn very quickly. They need to be thinking about everything else that's happening and the weapon handling just needs to be there. And we all know this or most of us know this when it comes to driving. 
You know, when you find yourself in a, in a hairy situation on the highway, you're probably not thinking, okay, now, wait a minute. I need to uh, make sure both hands are on the wheel. Now I'm going to move my foot from the gas to the brake. I'm going to start to, no, we do what we need to do because we have tons of experience doing it. And we have tons of experience doing it while we're doing other things, while we're carrying on conversations, while we're navigating, while we're talking on the phone, and while some folks are texting an email or reading the newspaper, all kinds of insane things. And I'm not recommending that you do those things, but those are the things that happen on the road. And what does that do to our driving? For most folks, it takes it to a level where we are, are unconsciously able to operate our vehicle in conditions that we are, are very familiar with. And speaking of weapons that do what we need them to do, uh, one weapon that I've been using for a little bit over three years now is a PWS Mod 1 from Primary Weapon Systems. And I got a few thousand rounds through the thing. Uh, Almost all of those are suppressed. Paul, I used to use this gun for full auto on a full auto lower with my suppressor on it, my 10 and a half inch barrel. I mean, it's got a stupid amount of rounds. I I don't even want to guess because I have no idea. I've replaced bolts because I shot the wrong ammo through the suppressed gun. Um, I have this gun has has had it rough. Anybody who's taken a class with me in the past forever have seen me running this gun and dropping it and dropping the optic off of it and just beating the heck out of it. And I'm like, hey, it did red fifty shades of gray, man. It, it likes it rough. That's just the way it is. Basically, it, if you're not familiar, PWS uses a long stroke piston system, which means you get basically the same recoil impulse as a direct impingement gun or very very similar. A lot more reliability and a heck of a lot more rounds between cleanings. The uh, PWS rifles, they have an operating system similar to that of an AK with the long stroke piston system, giving you the reliability of an AK with the accuracy of an AR. I'm hoping to have my hands on one of their new Mod 2s here really soon, and I'm excited about that. And when I do, I'm going to let you guys know all about it. There'll be some video and some other stuff out there. And I'm going to beat that one up just as much as I've beat up my Mod 1, and I have no doubt that it's going to take it. So go check out Primary Weapon Systems at Primary weaponsystems.com. Paul, you ever shoot a PWS? I have shot your PWS. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess so. It's, it's slick. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm that actually... was a while back, I guess. It was, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, looking at, at uh, trying to get into something shorter and, and more suppressor, and uh, that's definitely something to consider, is taking a look at those those piston guns and, and the advantages that they offer, because there are a lot of drawbacks when you shorten up the barrel on an AR, uh, both from an operational standpoint and a comfort standpoint. They're not as fun to shoot. So, you know, looking at something like PWS makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Easy adjusting to the gas system yeah. just to make sure, you know, you dial the thing up or down, whatever you need. Uh, I ended up making a couple adjustments to mine and putting in a little bit heavier buffer, and it's been golden ever since. Um, this is going to be a good year, it looks like, for suppressed weapons and yeah. suppressors. So I, I'm anticipating that some of the piston guns are going to start doing a little bit better as well than they have been in the past. They've already been, they've always been doing great, but I mean, there's just there's an advantage of increasing the amount of rounds that one can fire between cleanings with that suppressed gun because of all that gas that's dumped into that gun uh, from the blowback and from operating the gun through the direct impingement system. So I, I dig PWS, been using them for a while. Even did a gun with them. We had the, uh, the Mark 114 Shaw's all. Right. Uh, a limited run of those. Fun, awesome little gun, teeth, too. man. It sure did. Hmm. Literally had teeth on the side of it. <laughs> so back to the topic that right. we were talking about, and we you were you were discussing basically some some ideas and the in state goal for for conducting or or or, or incorporating uh, decision making into the training. But we want to go after some action for the listeners out there. They're like, dude, they're they're right now. They're thinking, give me more things that I can do on the range by myself with my buddies or as an instructor with my students. Yeah. Okay. So I think visualization is a big part of this as well. So we need to be paying more attention to what it is that we're doing from a legal standpoint when it comes to training. We look at, at firearms training and people say, well, you know, okay, so I've got my, my basic handgun class. Now I need to get some legal training. And that's cool, but these aren't two separate things. Like they go together. They work yeah. together. We need to know and understand when it is that it's okay for us to begin shooting and when it is that we need to stop shooting. And we need to think about that. So once we understand the legalities of self-defense, we mix in this decision-making aspect. So we talked about two different targets at different distances, different sizes. Well, now maybe we have a shoot target and a no-shoot target. So now we have to make that decision is, is this a shoot situation? Is it not? And we can visualize the circumstances that come along with that. If it's a shoot situation, 
are we visualizing you know a weapon are we visualizing some kind of um, aggressive behavior are we visualizing what the actual description of the individual that's attacking us is and are we changing that up to be able to prepare you know a lot of people like to use uh, targets with pictures on them right well then you're training to fight against that one specific individual However, if you take and use, you know, just a humanoid shaped target and you visualize each and every time who your attacker is, what they look like, how they're dressed, what their height is, what their weight is, what their hair color, their skin color, what the weapon is they have in their hand. If you visualize those things, now you're starting to make the connection between there's a threat. This is a shoot situation. Gun is drawn, shots on target. And that's what we want to connect. But while you're doing that, make sure you don't visualize the same thing over and over oh, again. Absolutely. Because you're just pushing the stereotypes, man. And you're being a thought criminal. And yeah. you're in, inside of your mind, you are probably you know, tearing down some ethnicity or something like that. So, so don't be a bigot. right? Dude, spread the love. It's equal opportunity. There's all Bad guys come in every different color. Treat creed. it like any quality comedian, right? Any quality comedian that gets up on stage, they make fun of everybody. Everybody gets a couple of shots, and that's how comedians are able to say the things they're able to say. Well, from a self-defense standpoint, just like you're saying, spread it out. And that's the advantage of visualization as opposed to that picture or photorealistic target. You're able to now make those changes without having to go down and staple up a new piece of paper and be dependent on what it is that you know the folks are putting out from whatever target company. So that visualization of when it is time to begin defending ourselves with a lethal weapon, that's an important aspect. And then we take to the other extreme. When is it that we stop? You know, we have to understand that the human inclination is once we've begun to fight, especially when we win, humans from a course of nature over over thousands of years, that's when the most death and destruction comes is when we've won, when we've gone over the top. But our legal system today, it doesn't work that way. When you have stopped the threat against you, your use of force needs to stop. You can't chase after them. You can't keep shooting as they're running away. So you've got to have that visualization worked into your training and into your practice so that you know when to stop shooting. When that thug drops to the ground and piles up and becomes unresponsive, you need to stop shooting until conditions change where you need to shoot again. If they turn around and run away in a direction where you don't see your innocent children or your loved ones, and they seem as if they're fleeing away from you, you, you need to let them go. Let the law enforcement officers deal with that situation in a concealed carry situation, right? If you're a law enforcement officer, you know, different ball game, do what you need to do. But for us, our goal is to get away. And if they're running away from us, we need to let them do that. We need to visualize stopping the use of force when they turn and run. When they drop that weapon to the ground and put their hands up, their palms facing you, say, hey, man, you know, I don't, I don't want any more. You need to visualize stopping the use of force. And if you fail to do so in practice and training, then you may have difficulty doing that when it really counts. One of the best things that we can do is we're, we're in a fortunate time in, in the, the history of the, of the United States, the world, uh, human history, where we can watch videos and watch violence all the time. And I'll steal this from the, the U.S. Marine Corps Combat Hunter Program. I want to develop uncorrupted file folders. I want to I want to develop these file folders in my head. And I'm not I'm not walking through a parking lot looking for a shady looking dude with a beanie and a hoodie and sunglasses utilizing urban masking and maybe hiding behind vehicles and waiting for somebody to go jump. And hold a screwdriver next to him and take him. I'm I'm looking. I'm I'm establishing the baseline for this entire area that I'm in, and I'm just looking for the anomaly. I have no idea what the anomaly is. I'm just I'm just hunting for anomalies. Now, when an anomaly pops up and it matches one of my file folders that I've got in my head from my research and my studying that I've done, uh, where like, oh, I've seen this. And it just I, I can recognize a lot of more things, and instead of looking for one specific things, I mean it's kind of like the counterfeiter or the uh, counterfeit agent, the anti counterfeit or counter counterfeit counter counterfeit uh, agent who studies the real deal instead of the all the different fakes because we can never we're always going to be behind the power curve right. if we're studying the fakes. You know we're we're, we're studying what's normal and trying to find something that rises above or falls below that baseline. Um, so that's uncorrupted file folders. You know if, if I'm, I'm using those in class. And I, I talk to my students about it as well. Um, I, it, there's a time when we need to be thinking about punching holes in paper. 
when we were thinking about I, I'm trying to learn to shoot and apply these fundamentals. And then I'm going to take these fundamentals to a more defensive context. And when I'm in that defensive context, and then I start thinking – I've got to have decision-making and my visualization. And if we're not visualizing a fight when we're at that stage, then all you're doing is punching holes in paper. And when I'm talking about visualizing a fight, there, I'm visualizing a reason why my gun's coming out of the holster. I'm visualizing – if I'm moving, I'm visualizing clearing a foreground or background because of you know innocence that may be in the area or a not adequate backstop. I'm visualizing all these different things. And whenever I stop shooting, I'm not stopping because the drill said stop shooting. I'm stopping because whatever I visualized in my head said this fight is over. That person dropped their gun. They fell down. And they're not responsive anymore. Or they turned around and run, ran and dropped the gun. I'm still shooting. Why are you still shooting? Well, I'm still shooting because he turned around and he ran, but he still had his gun pointed in my direction trying to fire shots. You know, the guy, there's a visualization side of this that can really take our, our training to the next level. But if, we, if we're going off the visuals that we've gotten from Hollywood, we're going to get it wrong pretty much 100% of the time. But there's a lot of information out there. LiveLeak.com. John Correa at Active Self Protections analyze a lot of these fights. You can go check them out there. Uh, but we can watch real violence, real fights, and really see how people are responding to gunfire, how they're responding to getting shot by rifle rounds, handgun rounds, knife attacks, and see what I mean. I'm talking about the instantaneous impact when that thing's hit their body how are they responding and it's not like what we see in hollywood so having those the, the closest to uncorrupted file holders we can about what's happening and then taking that to the range with us could be very very beneficial in our training yeah there's no doubt about that and and the way that you're approaching that from the file folder standpoint that's exactly what it is that we want to do we want to have these options that are pre-programmed so that when they put themselves in front of us we respond Without necessarily conscious thought, we just do what it is that we've trained to do and trained correctly to do and resolve the situation and then deal with all of the other decisions that we haven't considered because we've done such a good job programming will free up the 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 ram, if you want to use that kind of an analogy, to be able to sort out what it is that we do need to figure out in that time because every situation is going to have challenges that you haven't necessarily anticipated. We want to figure out and work through as many of these 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 factors, these characteristics that we have the ability to work through ahead of time and and get it sorted out. Yeah, I, being in some of the situations that I've been in uh, in my my life and my military career, um, I have found one thing to be very, very beneficial. And you were kind of describing it a little bit earlier when you were talking about driving a car. You know, we we drive. We we. I don't have to get up and be like, you know what. I think I'm going to brush my teeth. Okay, I need to unscrew this thing counterclockwise. I need to squirt it on my toothbrush. Okay, now I, I think I'm going to go with the water. I'm going to dip it in the water first. All right, let's run some water. Let me lift up on this. We don't have to go through all that and talk about side to side and up and down, left and right. And all that stuff. It just, it's, a, it's a menial task that we don't have to concentrate on, and our brain can be solving the world's problems while we're brushing our teeth without any thought at all going to – or any conscious thought going to the toothbrush. Same thing driving a car. Same thing with a lot of things. And we can also achieve that with our firearms training. And I've been in some classes – and I've, I've been in some stuff in the military and outside where people don't put a lot of emphasis on firearms manipulation. They don't put a lot of emphasis on reloading, clearing stoppages, and some other things. And even they don't even put a lot of emphasis, emphasis on drawing from the holster and clearing clothing and drawing from the holster. And people always come to the oh, outside the waistband only, no cover garments. You know, like they don't. And, but this is a defensive class. You know, I'm calling BS. It's not. <laughs> it's uh, let's go feel like we're doing something class. So it's. I need to train that manipulation, whether it's drawing, clearing a stoppage, whatever I'm doing, anything that that could go wrong with that gun, especially if I'm a team environment and my team relies on me, like some of the SWAT teams that I've trained or military units that I've trained. It's even more important because there's other people's lives are relying on you to get this right and get this done. Uh, they need to swiftly move through this objective, do what they need to do, and now they're waiting on you to do some problem. So it, it may not be just because of speed, because that guy's shooting at you, i got to get it done. It's I need to be able to do all these things that I should be able to do with my gun at such a level that it doesn't even require thought. That I just My brain can stay focused on the more important decisions that I have to make. Where should I move to next? Where's he going? That person's bleeding. Noted. As soon as this is done, I'm going to go control that. Like we're, we're, we're worried about bigger picture things because I am so good with my gun. I can free up my mind to solve problems that are much more important. And that menial task of clearing a double feed or anything else just happens. 
Absolutely. I think that one of the things that that has really come to my understanding over the past decade of firearms training as as a trainer is watching students learn to do these things when they're off balance. And I don't, I don't mean physically off balance. I don't mean they're standing on one foot and, you know, falling over the edge. What I mean is they don't know what's happening next. They're being surprised. They're being ambushed. They're being uh, asked to do things that are spontaneous. What I've noticed as an instructor is they pick up on those, uh, on the ability to manipulate much quicker when they're forced to manipulate without thinking about it. You know, we live in life when, when we have this time, you know, think about our, our, the luxury we live in. Like there's almost nothing that we have to do on a daily basis that is forced, that is life and death, that is under the pressure of time. And those things that we do have to do, we better practice them that way as well. You know, my kids, young kids, right? They're doing math fact tests. Drilling flashcards is great. But until I put them on the clock and give them the same kind of pressure that they're going to have in class, there's really not any massive improvement on those tests. I need to put them in that same situation so they're familiar with the situation they need to deal with. We need to look at training in the same way. We need to put people's feet to the fire and make them feel uncomfortable and learn how to deal with a gun in those uncomfortable circumstances. And then when they're not super uncomfortable, I mean, like the gun is an extension of them. It's amazing to watch that transition and how well that flows when we force students to do things in less than perfect situations. I shamelessly sometimes steal my good friend Ryan Hoover from Fit to Fight and my partner in the Active Killer Defense Program. Uh, one of his sayings that, that he has coined and uses as a hashtag, it's on t-shirts and everywhere. It's clearly his, but I steal it all the time because I think it's so descriptive of what I do and it and to my class design that kind of keeps people on their toes and, and doesn't let them really sink into any comfort zone at all. Kind of always a little IV drip of stress. And it's there is growth in discomfort. Absolutely. And it's uh, it's so true. I wish I were as smart as him and thought about that before he did because it would be all mine and he could borrow it from me. But it's so true. It really is. Well, and one of the amazing things about that, Daniel, and I know that you study uh, business and um, you know, entrepreneurship just like I do because you know we are entrepreneurs, we're business people, and I know that isn't what this podcast is about. But one of the things that's been coming up Again and again and again, when you look at sources that are saying, here's how you improve your business, I keep seeing again and again, nothing good ever comes from being in your comfort zone. Everything good comes when you're outside of your comfort zone. And I also firmly believe that when we're talking about firearms training, some of the best gains that we still have to make in firearms training are going to come from outside of firearms training. When we take things that are that are being put into play elsewhere and appropriately apply them to our firearms training, and this is one of those things. If you're out at the range and you're comfortable while you're practicing, you're doing it wrong. And I don't mean like, oh, wow, it's kind of hot in here. I'm sweating, so I'm not comfortable. I mean, if you're not pushing yourself to the limit where you're uncomfortable with what you're doing, then you're missing the point. Of course, be safe, be appropriate, but there are all kinds of ways that you can push yourself outside of your comfort zone in a safe manner and improve your firearms handling skills, your decision-making skills, and improve your ability to deal with violent encounters. And that's what we're all about. Awesome. We'll be right back after this quick message from the number one 1911 manufacturer in the world. If you're in the market for the absolute best 1911 handguns and accessories, look no further than Nighthawk Custom. Nighthawk has over 36 flavors of top quality custom 1911s and they definitely have one for you. These are custom handmade 1911s. Each gun is made from start to finish by a single gunsmith. Nighthawk's slogan and philosophy is, One gun, one gunsmith. Now, owning the world's finest 1911 has never been easier. Go to www.nighthawkcustom.com and finance your Nighthawk Custom 1911 today. Paul, is there anything that we left out? Is there anything we need to go into more detail about? What, what, What did we miss? Man, I mean, we could we could go on and on and on about these topics. I think um, target selection is an important thing. I think yeah. that making sure that when you're out on the range, you've got different 
sizes of targets to deal with that require different levels of application of skill, I think that's an important aspect because that's one of the challenges that we have when it comes to defensive shooting is how is it that we deal with this specific problem that we have? And so don't make it the same problem all the time and don't make it the same problem from shot to shot. You know, have that small target, have that large target, have that close target, have that distant target, and learn how to deal with both of those things and make the snap judgment. If you, if you can get out on, on a range where you can do some movement, you know, simply walking, pacing back and forth and having someone give you a call or having a random timer give you some kind of a beep to then turn and address targets that you don't know the distance of anymore. These are the kinds of things that can help us to make good decisions and apply the level of marksmanship, if you want to call it that, that we need to be able to get the hits we need to get. Hey, it could be as simple as, as moving your target away a little bit, sure. not sitting at three yards and saying, oh, wow, do you know, I, I I hit him in the chest at three yards. That's all I need. Maybe your fight is three yards. Andy Brown smoked a dude at 75 yards. Right, right. Right? It's the same life. So it's, uh, I have no idea what my fight's going to be like. I have no clue. But I need to get out of my comfort zone because my fight may be out of my comfort zone. Close your eyes. You know, you're at that indoor range. Close your eyes, run the target out a little bit, run it back in a little bit, run it back out a little bit. You know, you're not paying attention. You don't know how far you're running it in or out. Then open up your eyes, pick up the gun off the bench, or if you can, draw and shoot or come from the high ready position and address the target. And now you've got a situation that you weren't necessarily planning on. And that's the goal is to give yourself multiple situations on a regular basis that you're not planning for and solving the problems you need to solve. And when you have that malfunction, work through it, get the gun back up and running, and deal with the situation. Sounds like a plan. Paul, why don't you put together a whole episode over on Safety Solutions Academy so all the listeners can go listen to it, where all you do is talk really awesome drills that they can do at the range. Nice. I like it, actually. It's a great idea. Um, I did an article recently for a website that uh, that I can do some talking about and and bring that over onto my podcast. That'd be great. And it's it's, you know, the cool thing is, we're not talking about expensive tools. We're not talking about uh, extra gear you need. I mean, this is simple stuff, simple, simple changes you can make to your practice. that can make a big difference. Awesome. Sounds good. So we're here, I'm going to be leaving here in about three days for shot show. Uh, yeah. we've got to go a couple, couple stops on the way and then we're flying out from Nashville out to shot show. And I got some really big plans. sounds like you've got some really cool stuff yeah. going on and we're going to talk about that here in just a second. And we're going to come right back right after this. This episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. Use our coupon code GUNFIGHTER at checkout when you visit bravoconcealment.com and get 10% off your entire purchase. Paul, SHOT Show next week. What are you doing and what are the listeners of Gunfighter Cast going to care about and where can they find you doing that at? Oh, cool. Um, Good question. Uh, I think that uh, the primary function that I'm going to have at SHOT Show during the show is uh, threefold. First thing I'm going to be doing is doing some research for a set of articles that I have uh, on on work order from Athlon Media Group, now Athlon Outdoors. They actually just had a press release this past week. So folks may or may not know the titles from Harris Publications were purchased by AMG Parade Magazine, another publishing company in New York. And uh, Athlon Outdoors has basically picked up many of the titles. So I'm going to be doing some articles for Ballistic. So I'll be doing research on the show floor for uh, a group of articles on bullpups and exotic weapons. I'll be looking at uh, ATVs and accessories for the vehicle and military vehicles, which is kind of a fun article that's, I don't want to say outside of my wheelhouse, but I'm looking forward to writing because I'll, I'll do some learning and go to parts of the shot show I've never been to before. So that's prong number one. Prong number two is uh, I've got some plans to do some social media work for Athlon. We're going to be heading to booths and shooting some short videos and posting those up on the old Instagram and Facebook and things like that. So if you're uh, not following Athlon Outdoors, you know, do a search, check out the hashtag Athlon Outdoors, and that's where you'll see those videos popping up. Um, I've done some work that's similar for Great Lakes Tactical this past week, and pretty cool stuff, so you can check out their IG page and see some of those videos. And then third is I'm going to be tracking down 
number one, some cool uh, gear. For instance, you know, the Bullpucks article falls right into my my area of desire. Uh, the folks at Desert Tech, it sounds like maybe, finally, after years, what is it, four years, they've been working on developing the MDR, the Micro Dynamic Rifle, which the name might be mm. a little bit of hype, but it sounds like that rifle that bullpup rifle is darn close to being ready to be released. So I'm going to be checking out uh, what it is the folks at Desert Hey, they could have just been Remington and just released it, right? Yeah, right. Just put that thing out there and be ready to rock yeah. and roll. Just and, put some marketing behind it. Best defensive gun ever. Yeah, just sell it. I got my new one in, by the way. I'm sure it's garbage. Oh, I haven't gotten to the range yet, but I took it apart and I can't get it back together. But anyways. Um, Those of you not in the know, we're talking about the R51. Oh, man. Wouldn't buy anything made by Freedom Group in the last 10 years. Just saying. But I did buy it, and I kept my old one, so I'm really looking forward to taking them apart side by side, shooting them side by side. Well, and you bought it because they wouldn't send you a T&E. Right. I can get a T&E exactly. from like every company out there, but I can't get a T&E exactly. from Remington. Exactly. They would not give you or I a T&E. Or a whole list of other folks. But uh, anyways, that's a whole other story. So I'll be tracking down that kind of stuff. But more important than the the gear is trying to track down the people. You know, the we've got an industry that's full of amazing uh, characters and amazing minds and amazing people. And SHOT Show out in Thank Las Vegas. So SHOT Show out in Las Vegas is the one <laughs> is the one place where they're all together. And so... You know, I, the 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 evolutionary changes in firearms, the the new product releases, all those things are cool, but nothing is anywhere near as cool as the quality people that'll be out in Vegas. And so that's what I'll be doing is trying to track down good folks and and uh, doing some good interviews for the SSA podcast and trying to get some good content out to my folks and uh, and kind of spread the word. Yeah, the only thing I know for sure is what parties I'm going to and who I'm hanging out with. <laughs> That is the only thing I know for sure about SHOT Show right now. I know I'm doing like 20 videos for a company for Media Lodge and GetZone, which I did last year, and I'm, gonna, I'm doing it again this year, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, in my opinion, that I haven't seen anything better as quick and with the real information as what we put out through Media Lodge and GetZone. Uh, so look for those on Funker Tactical uh, YouTube channel, and then you'll see them out throughout the year That as Media Lodge and, and GetZone put them out more and more. But for me personally – what uh, I, I want everybody to, to to go subscribe to my YouTube channel. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, I think it's Gunfighter Cast on. You never know with YouTube; they do weird stuff with the <laughs> the names of the things. I I don't get it. You go to go to my YouTube channel, subscribe. Uh, I'm going to have some live video up there from the show floor. Uh, if there's something you want me to go see, well, be in the live video and send me a message. Hey, go see this, and I'll note it. I might go see it. So subscribe so you don't miss those notifications, and also. Daniel Shaw 0369 on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'm going to be putting some live video and some other not so live video up there. Is that the right term? Not so live video? Yeah, I think that is actually the preferred term these days. Not so live. Good. Yeah. Um, So I. I'm going to have some really cool content uh, coming up with a lot of stuff, and I want it to be content that you care about, and the only way I'm going to know if it's content that you care about or not is if you really tell me, hey, dude, I care about this. Go check it out, and then I'll go do it, and then it'll be content that you care about, and that's what I want to do for you at SHOT Show because there's a lot of folks out there who really want to be there, and not everybody can be, and I'm going to be there for you. Right on. You know, the other thing I'll throw out there is I got an email message this morning. I guess it was late last night um, from a listener to my podcast that was like, hey, uh, I hope this doesn't sound creepy, but like we're going to be at Chacho and we'd love to meet up. Yeah, again, it's about the people. And so those of you that are going to be in Chacho, you're going to be there as attendees or maybe you're working for a company um, that's exhibiting. Man, let me know if you want to talk with me. Let Daniel know. Those people, absolutely, that, who, whoever yeah. it is, those people that you want to meet, again, this is the place to do it. And that's why people are there. If I thought that I had enough people there who would care, I would I would have a whole like night at a bar or something and you hang know, out. We should, you know? we should set that up for next year. We should like plan ahead and make that happen. Maybe even for uh, like, <laughs> plan ahead for shot show. <laughs> why don't you and I team That's up hilarious. and do something like that for NRA? I don't, I don't like you that much, Paul. Oh, come on, bro. We'll do something. In Atlanta. No, I'm just kidding. We could, we could, we could totally do it at NRA. 
Well, the only problem with Atlanta is the traffic, and people might be you know three hours late. But hey, you know. Yeah, it is insane. I'm looking forward to that though. Uh, NRA in the dirty South. It's going to be awesome. In the dirty South. Mm-hmm. I just I just hope it's as easy. Like I booked my shot show flights in my room on Sunday. Today's Monday. Um, it's next week. Like I booked eight days out. I hope I can do the same with Atlanta. That would be awesome. Pro- probably not. Um, now, when you guys are booking hotels, if you're coming to NRA for the NRA annual meetings and exhibits, I'm going to be there and stay in there the whole time for the NRA show. But then the following weekend, I'm going to still be in Atlanta, and I'm going to be out hanging out with uh, Aaron Cowan, a buddy from Sage Dynamics, and we're going to shoot some video. And then I'm going to be taking his force-on-force home defense class inside of a house, uh, and I'm really looking forward to that. And that class will be on my calendar on my website that you will hear about in the next couple of days, and it'll have a link to where you can go sign up for it if you want to go take that class with me. Nice. Let me, uh, can I uh, turn the tables on you for a minute? Sure. How are you doing uh, with the Red Dot? I, I read and saw that you were getting a pistol set up and ready to rock and roll with the Red Dot. Is that completed yet or no? Yeah. Uh, I shot my first class uh, two weeks ago or a week and a half ago with a Red Dot. It was a rifle class, but it had probably about 200 rounds in the day okay. through a handgun. Um, some pretty serious competition side of it were like team-based stuff because it was all SWAT team that I was mm-hmm. training with. And it was um, – I almost put the VP9 on because I was so far out of my comfort zone, right? Like right, that whole right, yeah. growth and discomfort thing. But it, what I, I stayed with it because it, it really, because I didn't want to let the team down. You know, I'm like, dude, sorry guys, because it wasn't that I was slow. I was still fast. And when I found that dot, I found that whenever I found that dot in my presentation, I was able to track that dot and wear out a target very, very quickly and transition from target to target very, very quickly. And it was an enhancement. Finding the dot on the initial shot is a different presentation. And I'm spending some time right now working on that. So the next time I don't let all these like alpha male SWAT team buddies that thought I was awesome with the rifle down whenever I pull out a handgun, you know? Was I'm going to make some assumptions here. Was a lot of the shooting strong hand only as a result of transitioning from the rifle, or were you two handed? Tell me about that. Uh, It was mostly all two handed. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I I cut my teeth as a competition shooter. You know, I started out, um, you know, running the competition circuits. And it's one of the things that I saw on a regular basis was open shooters who, if they were put into any kind of a circumstance that was outside of the norm, struggled to find the dot. And that's one of the things that that I struggle with with the Red Dot Pistol. I've got a Glock 17 set up with a slide cut, and I've put a little bit of time into it, but it's one of those things that I've I've just struggled with. And it's not as much of a, hey, you know, get outside of my, my comfort zone issue. Um, I struggle with having enough time to train myself, plain and simple. You know, running a business... I'm so confident that the red dot is the future yeah. and it's the, 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 the nearer future than a lot of people think I am spending, I, I, I've got the, I've got number one of 100 Nighthawk guns and ammo edition mm-hmm. right here next to me. And I'm, I'm sending it back in here in a month or so. I should have a shadow Hawk with an RMR on it. Right. And I, I, I need that gun because I am dedicating. I want every single shot that I fire in a concealed carry class, any defensive handgun class, any rifle class, I want every shot that I fire in training this year to be with a red dot on my gun because I want to learn and I want to be an expert for my students. I believe that it is coming. And my question is, is that, is it the right answer for everyone? And that's one of the things that I'm struggling with. And and one of the challenges that presents itself is, again, it what we do on the range, on the square range that's not necessarily what it is that matters as much as what happens in real life. And how the heck do we test this? How do we get enough data? You know, it's such a challenge. Um, I'm not saying I'm with it I'm or, or I'm for it or I'm not for it. I'm just saying, man, I wonder, and I don't know what the answer is. It's one of my big struggles as a professional. I'm the same way. I don't know either. Yeah. But sitting in my shelf <laughs> in my closet, do, I know that's not going to give me the answers right, that I see. Right, right. But going out there and putting that gun to work, uh, maybe it will, maybe it won't, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot. So I, I am dedicated to that. And I'm also dedicated this year, I'm going to spend a lot of time with the 1911 platform. And, you know, just to, just see. I'm going to see. I'm skeptical. I've had all these people tell me that I'm absolutely crazy, that I don't trust my life to a 1911. So 
I'm, I'm going to spend a heck of a lot of time with the 1911, and I'm going to gain an intimate knowledge of that platform. And, and I, by the end of the year, I plan on knowing every single thing there is to know about it and spend a heck of a lot of time with it. And I have no idea if I'm going to change my mind or not. Uh, I, I am fairly certain that uh, I will not change my mind about the idea that it's not for everybody. Uh, but I, I may change my mind about if it's for me or not. And I'm going to give it a shot this year, and I'm going to put in a lot of time and effort and work and, and give it a, a fair shake. I'm guessing you've gotten flack from both sides of that argument, right? People that are saying you're crazy for trusting yourself, your life to a 1911, and, and those that are saying you're insane if you don't. Am I right? You know, it, it's more It's more somehow people are like, well, my gun works great. I think you're a complete freaking moron. I, it's That's really what I get a lot of time. Like my, my Kimber 3-inch is the best gun there ever was made. And I'm like, well, you probably put five rounds through it last year. Right. You know, that's, that's right. it. That seems like where I'm, I'm getting a lot of hate from that kind of person. Yeah. But then but where I'm getting a lot of the middle of the ground, which I really appreciate, the people who are like, hey, dude, no, I get it. It's, it's for me. I love the gun. I think the 1911 is perfect for me. And I get what you're saying, that it's not for you based on what you expect or want at a gun and the maintenance and everything else. Because those people understand. They understand right. what I'm saying. Right. And and those are the ones I, I really appreciate that mindset. And some of them are like, well, why don't you give it a little bit more of a try? Or why don't you do this or do that uh, or try this? And I'm like, you know what? Thanks, man. Like I, I respect your guys' opinion enough that you guys respect my, my opinion enough, even though our opinions are different on this gun for ourselves and our own personal wants and needs. I'm going to give yours a try. And that's where I'm at. That's what I'm doing. That person that's in the middle that that gets what I'm saying, but doesn't necessarily agree with it. That's who I'm. I'm. I, I want to. I want to make sure that I'm doing them right. Yeah. Well, and and more than anything, you want to make sure that you have that body of knowledge. And you know, I mentioned earlier that I started out as a competitive shooter, and you know, guess what platform I began with? You know, I was a 1911 guy all the way. You know, it, I, it's hard to argue with the precision right. of the 1911 right. platform, right? I mean, it's it's a it's a cool gun, and you know I, I can't say it anymore because you know I've got a fairly new vehicle these days. But I used to own more 1911s, more value than I did you know my daily driver. Um, yet at the same time, I upgraded my daily driver because well, I needed something that was more reliable and more modern, more. And so it's it's gosh, it kind of parallels each other for me, uh, my experience, and and I've I've moved away from the platform. It doesn't mean I don't love it. Because I do. I think the 1911 is a great pistol. I think it's a great gun. Um, it's not what I choose to carry. So I'll be interested to hear what you have to say about it um, after you've, you've put some time in it and, and, and gone through your thing. What caliber is that gun going to be in? Uh, I'm not sure what the Shadowhawk is going to be in, but uh, I'm probably going to – I don't know if it's going to be 9mm or 45. Um, I have reasons why I want both. Sure. So I, I, I don't really know. Um, you know, my best I guess advice I'll probably you, find out next week. My best advice for you on that is to split the middle and just you know go with the 40. Best of both worlds, right? Uh, that was a lot of silence <laughs> there, man. A lot of silence. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they wanted to send me a 10 millimeter. I'm like, I, I don't think I can pull off a 10 millimeter, guys. Like, I, I'm like 180 pounds, man. Like, I, I just can't do that. Cool. Paul, we're going to take a quick break, our last one of the show, and then we're going to come back and close this thing out and give them a little last-minute call to actions of wherever they can find you and learn more about whatever you're doing and follow us both at SHOT Show and everything else. And we'll be right back. Hey guys, Daniel here. Thank you so much for being a part of Gunfighter Cast and a listener of the show. If you feel that you get something out of Gunfighter Cast and you enjoy the show, why not pledge a dollar or two dollars through our Patreon site? Basically, you pledge one or two bucks an episode. When uh, some content is released at the end of that month, your card will get charged. Pretty simple and easy way to support the show when you're getting content. If not, all good. You're going to keep getting them for free. Thanks again for listening and being a part of the show. Gunfighter Cast out. Cool. Welcome back, Paul. Where everybody loved you today. I could tell they 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 just they were so excited about having you here. What? Where can they listen to your podcast? Because you have a podcast, right? I do. Yeah, Safety Solutions Academy podcast. Uh, if I get my uh, tail in gear tomorrow, episode four hundred eighteen will be out. So I've been at it for wow. a while, and uh, for a long time I was doing you know, five a week. I was cranking them out. Uh, so yeah, the the place to to look me up is uh, ssapodcast.com or safety solutions academy.com slash iTunes. If you want to subscribe, um, check them out at those two places and, uh, you'll find multiple Daniel Shaw episodes on the SSA podcast. So if you want to hear what, uh, Daniel has been saying over the years, again, 
ssapodcast.com or safetysolutionsacademy.com slash iTunes. Uh, Safety Solutions Academy is one of three podcasts that I support through Patreon. And a lot of you guys support Gunfighter Cast through Patreon. We just broke our $150 an episode milestone. Man, good for you. So awesome. Yeah. Uh, It's huge. And uh, every time that ticks up a little bit more, I'm like, yes, now I could sign up for this class. You know, like I, I just because I'm, I'm adding up the dollars or what I'm going to make it because I'm, I'm working on a budget for the year to take these classes and I don't have anybody to pay for those things. So it helps me out so much to, to get more content and, and do this show, which I love to do. Well, let me ask a quick question here. If, if you, I mean, do I get a cut for this? Was, is, we didn't talk about that ahead of time. No, I'm sending them to your Patreon. <laughs> so if you're follow, if you're if you're subscribed to me and you, you've, you've pledged a dollar, two dollars, uh, or whatever it is to Gunfighter Cast, go check out Safety Solutions Academy, and uh, you'll see as one of the podcasts that I contribute to is Safety Solutions Academy. Click on them, give Paul a dollar or two an episode, and keep him doing what he's doing because he's doing great work over there. I, I really appreciate that. And of course, you know, I don't want to cut. I, I would, uh, as you know, I support the gunfighter cast because gunfighter cast, because I've been listening to your show for years and we've been doing lots of work together in the industry and, and I appreciate it. And so, uh, I'm pretty flattered that you would even suggest your folks come over and check it out. So thank you. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks a lot, Paul. We'll see you here in about a week Woo-hoo. and, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm sure it'll be like in the morning how we stand around waiting and then we won't see each other again right. until like maybe at Circle Bar on some weird right. night. At, at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. We will know that we were within a mile radius of each other <laughs> for at least a week, right? <laughs> yeah, you got it, buddy. Well, uh, I mean, are, are you coming solo or are you bringing the crew with you or what's the story? Uh, well, me and the wife nice. are going. She's, she's kind of like uh, my my keeps keeps me on track and keeps me doing the things I need to do. Right and then she ends up managing a lot of the the side of the Funker team side of stuff and schedules and some other stuff. Cool. And uh, she's also a production assistant when we're we're running videos for Media Lodge and Get Zone. And uh, and then I'll have my camera guy, and we'll be hustling like crazy because we have a lot of work to do. Right uh, especially Monday, I'm going to be at three range days on Monday. Holy smokes, brother! That's a rough gig. I have no idea how it's going to happen without a helicopter. Well, I mean, it is Vegas. That could be arranged. But one of them is really, really cool that's on the local Nellis Air Force Base that's military only, and it's going to be pretty awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, Paul, see you next week, buddy. You know how it goes whenever it's time to say bye on Gunfighter Cast. Gunfighter Cast.